Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, people of all ages and enthusiasms to another episode of the Irrational Fan Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jesse McGowan. My other host, joining me as always, from the most western of coasts, kind of, mm. actually. Mm, that kind of makes it sound like you're in Hawaii. Nope, you're just the, the Pacific Northwest coast. Jensen McGowan. What's going on, buddy? Hello. Hello. Keep the applause down, everyone. Just excited to be here. Excited oh, to you, serve. Just hit your mic uh, there. <laughs> I did. I hit my little I up. hit my little spring. Yeah, we got rowdy over here. Um, Jesse, there's there's a lot going on in the sports world. There's a lot going on in um basketball specifically. We got Draymond at lunch with LeBron. We got Kuzma posting Instagram captions. We got Beal on the move. Got the draft coming up Thursday. We thought we were done talking about the NBA. The finals well, just wrapped well, Jens, up. Here's the, here's the problem. We didn't think we were done talking about the NBA because we still hadn't done a recap of the NBA finals because, right. look, I was traveling last week, just couldn't make it work to get on the pods. We're like, it's okay. Let's just record next week. Really, like the offseason doesn't start till July. It'll still feel fresh. But no, we're a week after the finals ending and talking about the finals somehow feels like we are ignoring five more current stories than who just won the title. And, and what takes all of it is that our guy that we followed for years, for years, Wyndham Clark, I mean, he won it. We, <laughs> he's been our number one. We watched him through college, Corn Ferry. I don't even know if he was on Corn Ferry. Um, but Wyndham the U.S. Clark, Open just he, happened as well. Was he the starting small forward for Miami? or Wyndham Clark, he's actually cousin to Lori Markinen. Oh, okay. they're, they're related. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they're both Finnish. Speaking the, of Finland, I just oh, saw a video yeah, the other you, day. You've got a where, Finland aside. Wow. I do. I do. Speak. I, I was on Instagram and I saw this video pop up of this. Um, she looks like college age. And you see, like, you know, there's like street interviews that people will do with like on the mm -hmm. college campuses. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how Finland's familiar with not the medium. Yep. Finland's not a real place. That's her claim. And Finland on the map is actually that 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 area is just water and it's owned by japan to fish and how sweden is a place and norway and like all these around but finland is not a place and they're like well what about a, like the finnish people and she's like have you met a finnish person he's like no she's like yeah they're all swedish <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's my finland thing i actually weirdly do think i've seen that interview and I think I, I feel like it files under the flat earth category of definitely like, you know, I have me. Yeah. It, it wasn't even on like my, my radar. Like she was talking about it and I was so intrigued and I was also curious. Is there a large group of people that believe that don't think don't Finland is real? not out there? I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind or do all the other. I, I haven't been to them. Jess, do we know all the other countries exist? Well, here's what I can. I can tell you that. You know, ironically enough, I've been to every other Scandinavian country. I've been to Denmark and oh! Sweden and Norway, <laughs> this, but I've never been to Finland. The plot so, thickens. So I, I can't tell you why I've never been to Finland. Nobody ever. Oh, I know why. Finland Jess. to me as it an doesn't option. exist. It's not there. That's why you haven't gone. Man, really make it's it just really a make a guy port. think. Um, right, we'll look. We'll look into this more. 
I but I think as far like as Lori Markinen, is he in on it? I was gonna say this is as quickly as we've ever gotten off track, but that's probably not true. Oh, we're um, right on track, baby. We like are the Canada, on track like for the how Canada, quickly we get off track. Canada Grand Prix. We're right on track, and we're sliding all Man, over. So many things have happened in the last eight days, like you said. U.S. Open, Formula One coming back, a kind of a lackluster weekend. Um, I don't know, an interesting qualifying Conca- day. Conca- the Concacaf matches, nation finals, Mexico and Canada. That was awesome. Uh, but look, gents, we have to pretend like none of that happens because I do not think with the amount that we've talked about this season in NBA that we can right, rightfully just move on without talking about uh, the could. finals winning Denver Nuggets. We've got to put it's a bow fine. on it. No. I just I just think, like, was it exciting? Was it a fun finals? Okay, okay let's just start there. Gents, did you enjoy watching this NBA it was, finals? It was fine. It was fine. Sure. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to, this isn't a memorable finals. This isn't, you know, my, this isn't heat spurs. This isn't Cavs golden state. This isn't Mavs heat. Really just all the ones that LeBron's been a part of in the last, it's none of those. And Jokic is amazing. Um, but the heat were a boring opponent mm. and the East just was lackluster and and I'd said this already in the last pod. I just I I wish it was Giannis versus Jokic. It would have been so much more exciting. But even the Nuggets, like they're just I don't know. They're not super fun and flashy, which feels so disrespectful to Jokic. Yeah, I, just, I think I don't feel that way about the Nuggets. I think I I think I do agree with you that the Miami throughout the whole playoffs, it was hard to get into the series because you just they just were never believable as a opponent. Sure. to whoever they were playing against. And it's it's just funny. I don't know if it's the fact that they were the eight seed. Like, had they been... Let's say this was a year ago, and Miami was the one seed. But even then, they were like, not a very believable one seed. <laughs> it's just like... I don't know what it is about that Miami you know, team that just isn't point. compelling. It's unique because if they... The eight seed run was like... Oh my gosh, they just won. Oh my gosh, they just won. They did it again. They keep going. They keep going. And then when they lose, it's like, well, they were the eight seed. It, they, they were in a lose-lose situation. They had to win it all in order for us to feel like it was justified for them to be there. And when they lost, it was like, well, it makes sense. They're the eight seed. It really was a tough position to be in. It was also a tough position for anybody playing against them because if you lost them, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you lost to them. And if you beat them, and I was like, well, you're supposed to beat them. Yeah. So, I think that's it was a little yeah it was a little bit of a bummer for a Jokic um with it being his first title because it was the title he was supposed to win like had they lost that there would it would have been way more of like this indictment of their ability to win had they lost as opposed to it actually being validating since they won and it, yeah, it's just it's a funny thing how much the opponent actually can matter. Like I think if you had asked me before uh, the playoffs even started, you know, does it matter to you as a fan? Because I think we we consider ourselves as more than like casual fans. Like I'm a basketball fan, so to me, I mm-hmm. think I would say that the two teams that make the finals have shown themselves to be the two best teams, and so that's going to be a great series. But 
there just was I just never I just felt like I had such a complicated relationship with the Heat the whole playoffs where yeah I, there was like this residual resentment from all like the Bulls versus Heat air like series. felt like your side so, chick in Miami. So I didn't want to cheer for them, even though I'd usually like cheering for the underdog. Oh, and we like they Jimmy. Just, they just you know? felt like a yeah, but that's it's like so I didn't like Miami, but I do like Jimmy. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted somebody more believable to be there at the end, so that it felt like there was a real, a real obstacle to be overcome for that Western Conference team. I I've just identified a problem for the NBA. Okay, Do you what's the problem? It? Yeah, the the East in comparison to the West is very boring. If I think back on the season, the teams I like to watch, and then vice versa, didn't like to watch. I did not like watching Boston. Don't know why. Just didn't like turning them on. Didn't like watching Philadelphia. I enjoyed the Bucks. New York. I didn't really care about Randall Brunson and Barrett. Good storyline. Toronto wasn't good. The Cavs were kind of fun, but you go down the West, you're like Lakers. We talked about them so much. Clippers can Kawhi and PG stay healthy. The Warriors at Steph Phoenix Suns. They got KD. The Kings were a fun storyline. Luca, Ja, like you had. I don't. Am I into something here? Is there a problem in between these two? Co- Why is one I more think, exciting? I think I actually. I think that has been true for you know the majority of the last decade or so that the more exciting teams and i almost wonder if it's it might it sounds too simplified to just say it's the curry effect but i think that's a huge part of it where even if even if the other team isn't that interesting i'm going to watch golden state play other teams more often and so i i just inherently because Western Conference teams play each other more often, I would watch more Western Conference games because I would watch more Golden State games than because of just because the Curry and that style of basketball they played was so interesting. I actually think these last two years or so, two or three years, maybe you could say, the East has offered a comparably compelling product by nature of Durant being there with Brooklyn while he was there. Uh, Giannis, you know, having a stretch as being one of the best players. I don't love watching the Sixers. Um, I actually, yeah. I just something no, about the Sixers totally. just doesn't get there for me. Um, I do like watching Boston, so I'm different from you there. I like Boston. Mm. Um, well, that's because Jason Tatum's on your fantasy team. <laughs> that definitely helps. Uh, so I have an extra reason to cheer for him. I just but, think the NBA is has a West Coast bias problem. That's all. That's all I think. I think in general, you do have a lot of the stars ending up over there. But I think actually for the first time in a while, I wasn't super interested in a lot of the West teams in the same way. Like the the Suns to me weren't as interesting to watch this year until Durant got to them, which was just the last two weeks of the season. The Clippers, I didn't really love watching that much, even though I'm a big like I really like Kawhi, but he just didn't play that often. Um, so I actually found myself not feeling so heavily ter- like towards that east west this year but then Miami just like bulldozing through all the east teams just seemed to just kind of like invalidate well, thing, it, anything exactly, that was going is, on and it and it lost the especially with the Celtics like if the Celtics are you know who they should be then they should be able to one not go down to the heat 3-0 win that game 7 but also just be able to take them very handedly so going going back to the finals, uh, 
we're diverting to maybe why it wasn't exciting, which is my fault. The Nuggets are the NBA champions. And my question for you is with the Nuggets, does it feel like they could do this again or it was one off? Because okay, so that's, that's because okay, keep, keep going, keep going. In I know every single year has asterisks, injuries, suspensions, flow, vibes, things were weird, things were off, whatever. But if you go through the West, I'm gonna give you all these all these reasons why it was off. We had a really weird Lakers team that was bad in the beginning. They came back and they could be considered the second best team in the playoffs, right? So they made it to the the West Finals, Nuggets beat them. That kind of felt like the finals in a sense. They were two best teams potentially. Then we had an old and dysfunctional Golden State team. If we remember this, Jordan Poole did get punched in the face by Draymond. It was a while ago, but it happened and it that caused a lot happen. of problems. Half the season of KD in Phoenix, but like you said, really just the last two weeks, he was in Brooklyn. No Paul George or fully healthy Kawhi in the playoffs. Uh, they also, we had the the Grizzlies and the Kings that didn't really scare you, but they like were cool stories and the jaw thing happened. And then who's left? It's the Nuggets. And they, they blazed through the Timberwolves. They blazed through Phoenix. They blazed through the Lakers and they're at the finals and they blazed through the heat. Like every single series, the Nuggets never were in a position where their backs were against the wall. They always showed out, which is a credit to them being a like a really good team. But I also think it's because the West was freaking weird come playoffs. Okay. I, all right. So I will, I think I actually, which is probably good for, you know, for the podcast. I think I almost completely disagree with you okay. on their path. Not completely. Look, I think two things. One, I think I actually enjoyed the finals more than you. Um, I thought, Despite it only being a five-game series, I thought that the games were pretty good. I thought there was actually a decent bit of back and forth. There was a decent bit of challenge to the Nuggets. I think ultimately, though, the Nuggets were just that much more talented as a team. And having Jokic be as as much of a game controller as he is in terms of his ability, like what what Miami was able to do to all the other teams to get to the finals was they were able to just throw enough variance and enough just con- like just chaos at these other teams that they and these teams did not have either in the case of the Bucks you know Giannis was wasn't his full self I do think if he was fully healthy this whole my heat, heat run just doesn't even yep. happen Agreed. um and then in the instance of a Celtics who just don't have a true like game runner point guard that can really kind of like keep a, a team on track, that's not really a skill of, or a strength of Tatum or of Brown. And those are your two best players. Uh, so what, when they got to Jokic and his entire game is based around his complete awareness of everything that's happening and how to react and how to adapt. So he was the perfect opponent to respond to what the heat were doing well uh so i don't think that takes away necessarily from that and i i think it's a little revisionist to say that they had this easy road through the playoffs i think it's easy to look back and say oh well of course they're going to cruise through and blah 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 i don't think they were favored in almost any of these series except the timberwolves they were not 
this juggernaut team that just kept coming against what was considered to be inferior opponents. Like they were, they were favored against the Timberwolves, but that Timberwolves team wasn't necessarily considered a push pushover going into it. They had the individual high end talent. They had Edwards healthy. They had Towns playing pretty well. They had, you know, kind of a mismatch of pieces around that, but you know, they should have dispensed of them and they did. And then they get to the Suns team and the Suns were again favored in the series because they had, Paul, they had Booker, they had Durant, they had the bigger yeah, names. We, them. I, we both picked them to win. They, you know, the Suns got two games back on them. The season, the series was even at 2-2 going back to, to Denver. And then Denver put their foot down. And I think it's just a little unfair to just go like, oh, well, of course Durant wore down or of course Booker. It's like, no, that was a good team that was considered to... But even when we picked it. Phoenix, we looked at their depth and we were like... Yeah, they they have Terrence Ross. They'll be okay. <laughs> like, like, but like you look, we kind of overlooked it. But I guess, but you're kind of playing both sides of the same coin there. Let me. I've got I hear two you. minutes left on my monologue because I hear you. A criticism of the Nuggets is that they only track. go seven deep. Now, I, I'm just responding to your initial. I'm, your I just don't want to lose track of where you're at. Uh, the, you the you only, have something you'd like to interject? Only, go ahead. Go ahead. J- just really quick. The only thing that I'll, I'll say is that. It, it does feel a little revisionist, but there's also the other side of it where we see the results that played out. And because of the results, you do have to adjust the original thought of where you were, like your original stance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to stick to like, hey, the Suns were the better team, man. Nuggets got lucky. Like, that's the other side of this. It's like, I'm going to stand fast and hard and true no matter what. Well, no, that's not accurate. You know? I Yeah, sure. I'm not saying that you have to still... St- they obviously showed themselves to be better than the Suns, but it's not like the Suns were this nobody injured team that they didn't have to go through. And then the Lakers were, again, probably favored. The Lakers had just powered over the the Warriors, and they looked like this big team that was going to be causing all these physicality problems. Totally. And you know, Davis was looking good, and he would be somebody that you would consider could actually cause a real problem for someone like Jokic. And LeBron was looking like them, and it looked like, oh, the Nuggets have a fight on their hands with the Lakers here. A lot of people said the Lakers might be a better team, and then they swept them. So, like, to then go back and say, like, uh, they barely even had to break a sweat to get all these through these teams. I think that's more to their credit, considering what the narratives were going into each of those series. I think there's been plenty of instances where there have been cupcake schedules to get to the finals, and I just don't think. That's the, I think the easiest series potentially in terms of quality opponent they had the entire playoffs was the finals. You're giving too much credit to the Timberwolves, but I hear your point because obviously they're a favorite in that in that one as well. That I mean that team was. But if you just stacked those two rosters against each other, which roster would you want? The Timberwolves roster, or the Heat roster. You're saying. And any any time Jimmy Butler faces the Timberwolves, I'm taking Jimmy Butler. We've gone well, through this. <laughs> I'm not saying head to head because Jimmy Butler just loves reminding the Timberwolves just how cupcake they are, which I kind of agree with him. Uh, so I'm not saying no, head to head. Right. But I'm just I, saying I, you just take the, the rosters. rosters. Totally. I Anthony Edwards is more talented. If I say, hey, you can start your team with Jimmy Butler and Bam, or you can start your team with Cat and Anthony Edwards. Who are you taking to start your team? Well, one of them just went to the finals, Jess. So <laughs> Playoff no, Jimmy. I, I, I do hear what you're saying. Because in the moment we were calling the Lakers the team of destiny, you're right. It is a little unfair. But I guess you're behind it all. You're behind it all. And you are seeing what they did. 
and you can maybe think like, huh, like at least in, at least in the Sun series, like they just straight up ran out of gas. Like, but I, th- I just think the Durant argument like were playing forty three minutes a game. But so is everybody on the Nuggets. Like we've said before, the Nuggets have a seven man rotation here. The Nuggets aren't honestly the even Suns the Celtics. Had a two, had a the Celtics rotation. had nine guys they run out there. The Celtics. The Suns had a four and a half man rotation. Aiton was playing like Aiton's the half. <laughs> What's like Chris Paul's uh, arms are the other half? What is this? It was that- Booker, Durant, Chris Paul, and Aiton together make one and a half. So that gets okay. you to three and a half. And Who's then the Cameron Payne was the other one. He, he definitely had his moments. Yeah, I I'm not trying to discredit. Forget exactly how I how I pulled this. In. I was talking about the West being weak. Oh no, I think I just straight up said the the run was. You just said they didn't have easier. to fight to get the, there. And I think the that's West where was I weird. Disagreed. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say. That. I said the West was weird. You, you did. I said okay. the West was weird. Correct. You said the West was weird, but your implication was that the path was easy. I think the implication is that Jokic showed out to be a hell of a lot better than I thought he could in the playoffs, and he went through the teams easier than I expected. So it's a credit to Jokic and a discredit to the other teams. And so for all that reason, I do think this is a team that can have another run, provided yeah. they can bring back. Again, it's funny to say like, oh, if they're going to make another run, they've got to keep Bruce Brown. But there, there really does, it does really matter the, the margins when you're talking about title teams. Totally. And those players that your seventh and eighth guy or you know, even your sixth and seventh guy can make a big difference. So I think there is some important things that have to happen for them, but I do think Jokic is also one of those rare elevator guys where they don't necessarily, I don't think have to pay overpay for a Bruce Brown. I think there's an, you can bring back another guy that's an undervalued type player that can excel when he only has to do what he has to do. So I don't know who that player is off the top of my head, but it will just be interesting to see how they maintain a, the little depth that they do have because I think it's going to be important for their overall success. I guess you can kind of see where I'm going as I do think this will be more of a one-off than the start okay. of something where they'll win like three in the next five years or something like that. I guess be my only reason that I wouldn't, wouldn't count them out is that I don't think anybody in the... now. This is we can save the Bradley Beal conversation for another time, but like at this stage, I don't see a path for the other West teams to like meaningfully and significantly improve to the totally. point where I'm going to say like, oh, like they're about to get passed by all these teams. I feel like a lot of the teams in the West are a little bit they have the teams that they have, or they're in just as much of a position where they're going to have to make some decisions on who they keep, a la the Lakers. All of the Warriors, um, I think even, I mean, the Grizzlies already have a uncertain start to their, like, so I think there's just as the much Clippers. uncertainty for every other West team where there's no reason for me not to say they're because, because of how much of their core is intact and locked in. There's no reason for me to say that they want now. Uh, so let me ask you a question, gents. And, after, and they, after all this, unlike on any of the other teams stayed healthy. Which was right. also a major yeah. part of the success. That's a huge part of any finals team winning is to right. 
were you healthy at the end? And that's just, just, that's yeah, just reality. Totally. Or even just healthier. Like, were you fully healthy or just healthier? And I actually think they were fully healthy. I don't think they really lost anybody, right? Because Michael uh, Porter Jr. stayed healthy no all, like, all yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jokic turned his ankle a little bit, but that was kind of it. Um, oh. Well, he rolls. So let me off. ask you this, Jensen. Did, in your mind, did the right team win the finals this year? Um, I'm going back through. Like, do you sit there and go, this was a huge missed opportunity for team X or do you go, I think the best team in the NBA won the title this year. Cause I don't think that's it, always the case. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that the nuggets winning is far from the best team. I, I keep saying the bucks, but I think the only other team I'm thinking of is the bucks because they didn't have Middleton healthy for a lot of the season. And it wasn't necessarily this thing where they were this juggernaut, but Giannis being healthy is as good as Embiid or Jokic or AD being healthy, if not have more of an impact. So that's the only other team that if we had a, a healthy Giannis through all of round one, could they have gone through and, and beaten the Celtics or the six? Well, would have been the Celtics in these finals? I would say yes to get there. And, and what would have happened now? I, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing in that series. I am probably still picking the Nuggets. So I guess in short, longer the short is yes, the right team team won the won the championship. Although it did really feel like the Lakers year, it did. <laughs> it really did, and it shouldn't have felt like that based on how they looked all year long. But Reeves coming out, Rui all of a sudden turning into the best role player that ever existed. Uh, Schroeder, AD stayed healthy the whole playoffs. The whole playoffs, AD yep. and LeBron was and, out there. The and whole realistically, playoffs. yeah, LeBron. I mean, he was. Here's the thing: if this is six years ago, LeBron, that series goes seven, and I think it's way more of a toss-up. Um, really? Well, because he plays defense. <laughs> six years. He, ago. Well, he plays defense, and he can attack more relentlessly. That was yeah. the. I think that was the biggest thing that you I really noticed by the time you got to the conference finals with the Lakers is that LeBron just couldn't go head down to the rim over and over and over again like he has done when he's had to right. for almost for most of his career. And that maybe is his foot that was reportedly injured for a lap for a you know, the last month of the season. So I mean you can say that but at the end of the day, though, that's also a team building thing. Like if you're relying on a 38, 39 year old guy to be your second highest performing player for nine months, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of that is a weakness of your team. That's just like that's just you the know, reality of it. You know how people will talk about like over the you know past eight years when Golden State was at their peak? You know, we're building a team to beat Golden State. Like Houston built a team all these years to beat Golden State. The Cavs sure. built a team to beat Golden State. Do we feel like there's any, we have to build a team to stop Jokic, like you, because you would be stopping Steph and that team or LeBron, but like how they're built to stop Jokic and the Nuggets? Uh, is, is it that? Is it that? Was it that impressive? Was it that dominant for you to be a Clippers, even a Golden State, a Lakers, a Bucks, a Sixers, a Celtics, and go, we have to do something different to stop one man? Yeah, what's so what's so interesting about a Jokic's 
I mean, I think this is probably an oversimplification, but you would think that the way to stop a Jokic is to have a guy that can basically get him in trouble defensively, not just making him work, but get him in foul trouble over and over again. But you would have thought that was the Lakers with AD. And I don't know if that's just an AD thing where he right. he doesn't like to be that in the paint, you know, just backing guys down over and over again and causing trouble that way. He likes to settle for like mid-range stuff more often. And so maybe that's because I don't think like defensively against Jokic, it's that cut and dry to just say like, oh, we need a guy that can match up against Jokic because frankly, he's not that one dimensional. Like he just, it's not like you just put a big body on him and then he's in effect ineffective. He's just going to adapt the way that he is attacking at that point. Like he's, He's, I don't think offensively there's just like an easy way to say, oh, well, we can minimize the effectiveness of Jokic on the offensive end of the floor. I do think he's that good of an offensive player where if you're going to put that much attention on him, all that does is just open up all the other options for him to give easy looks for the other players on his team. So I think you- it's more so can you get him out of the game because I think I mean, the game you thought Miami was going to win was when Jokic had early foul trouble. He had like three fouls really early. Yeah, three in the first half, yeah. Or three in like the like first one and a half quarters or something. It was like early. Yeah. So to me, that's what have But that, they didn't even win that game. But I think that's more of a Miami issue where Bam's not really a guy who you think is going to get a guy in foul trouble. Right. Um, and neither is Kevin Love, and then they didn't really have any other options. So if you could launch back into your... Um, your Rolodex of NBA defensive stoppers. Just really quick. Well, it's current. You can stay current. I'm just giving you the option to go historic as well. Who is a Jokic stopper? Who can, or Jokic limiter, because I don't think you're stopping him because he can pass. He's like, he's so good. He can shoot if he wants to, but who's limiting Jokic? What's the prototype? Is it like a Ben Wallace or is it Giannis? I think in terms, because that's the thing is like, I don't think the most effective thing is to just try and have a defensive only stopper on him. I do think someone like an Embiid who likes getting other guys in foul trouble is a tough matchup for a Jokic hmm. because it makes him have to, war- th- you know, just play around the margin so much more on both sides of the court. Like, yo, uh, Embiid is just going to try and go through Jokic every single time. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the profile of Bam or. AD or um, I mean, Aiton isn't that guy like he didn't have there's just not that many guys of like that in the league. So like the only guys that really come to mind are like a Giannis and a Embiid who are guys that are trying to just go through you to the rim over and over and over again at that size. So, so I do think I, both of those guys are tougher matchups. So when, when you say stopper, you just mean get out of the game like you're not even talking about on the court defensively. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a good guy that actually presents him with a huge challenge to his offensive game because he, he doesn't even need to, like he doesn't really like to score that much. Yeah. He likes to get into the flow of the game other ways. He likes to get his points at the end of possessions when the ball's already been around all the point. Like he will finish a possession, but that's why Murray is such a good combo for him is he's, he is looking more to kind of be that scorer shooter guy and Jokic isn't. So that's why I'm saying like the, I think the best way to stop Jokic is to get him off the court as much as possible, getting him in foul trouble. 
Yeah. And that's where I think it's almost more important of who he has to match up against defensively that limits him in total. I think ultimately you just need to, in order to stop Jokic, you have to be a complete smart team defensively. Cause I don't think it's about one man. Like you said, I'm trying to think of like, you know, that Pistons team. And what was it? Oh, three. No, no, that was the heat. Oh, four. Was that Pistons? Whenever the Pistons won with uh, Prince and Wallace and yeah. Billups and um, our guy, he came to the Bulls later. Rip. Rip. It like it almost is like you need one of those teams where it's like we are so fundamentally sound. We don't have anyone that is the star. Now, Billups may have been, you know, I don't even know who the best of that group up historically. It might be Billups. But it's like whatever you want to try to do here, we know how to play together as a unit so much so. Like the Lakers weren't a unit. A lot of dudes came in the deadline. You right? could argue I mean, the best unit they faced was the Heat. Which even at that point, like Duncan Robinson didn't play most of the season. He came on strong. But yeah, like Struess, Jimmy, Bam. I mean, but Martin also just kind of like out of nowhere, the lost hero. So you can make that argument, but that even isn't really the most solid unit. Certainly wasn't the Suns. The Wolves are bad. Well, they're not season. the most imposing. They're not the most imposing, but they're probably the most connected defense that they had to play. In and the well coached, the best coach yeah. team they played yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. Yes, I, I guess you know if you if we think about you know look at the landscape of the league and who's out there to actually kind of make that push. I don't, I don't know who is like this. You know, Jokic stopper defensively that feels like that one unit because there's also just so much movement these days. To be honest. If um, freaking Yudoka is still there, I wonder if the Celtics, because they're a unit. I mean, th- those dudes have been together for two, three years, right? Like that's, they have the that's continuity. I think their problem is they lack individual focus as with, you know, three of their four best players just don't, they just kind of flow in and out of intensity. And I think yeah. that's, and maybe Yudoka was a little better at keeping them at a higher intensity. But I think they're they were a weird defensive team. They definitely had the size to be problematic potentially with Williams, yeah. Horford as two options. Like they would have probably been a tougher team for the overall for Denver to play in the finals, I think. Right. Right. So just yeah, there's just there's no Jokic stopper, size. but there's I think it has to be much more of a of a team approach. Congratulations, Nuggets. Congratulations, the city of Denver. You had the Stanley Cup last year. You had the NBA championship this year. We'll see what Russ can do with Sean Payton and take the Super Bowl home next year. Broncos country. That's right. That's right. Uh, Yeah, no. uh, I think other takeaways, I'm actually super annoyed we took as long as we did to do this podcast because I felt like I had a point that was my like a, a unique thought and Uh-oh, then someone took it yeah and i think it was ryan or bill or something like that or whatever it was big but cat. I, big cat who knows but basically <laughs> i was literally like thinking about jimmy butler and like how like all like in the first two rounds he's just like oh my gosh have we been underrating jimmy butler he's this killer he's unstoppable he's incredible he's kind of up and down blah blah and at the end of the files i was sitting there I was going like you know I think I feel about Jimmy now exactly how I did before the playoffs started. Oh, like I don't yeah. feel worse about him now. 
and I like, and I don't He's feel a weird like superstar, dude. He's weird. He's but it was just kind of like he went so high and then kind of bottomed out that like on the average, I'm like, yeah, I think you're exactly who we thought you were. You just yeah. took really, really high highs and really, really low lows to get to your average. Like you, yeah. you weren't consistently just very good. You were unstoppable and the best player in the playoffs. And then like not even noticing you on the court at times. And now, and then it's like, your overall production was just kind of between those two. But I like I think I just feel yeah. exactly how I felt. Like I think he's maybe the 17th best player in the NBA. Like very good. <laughs> but totally. It's like we don't need to have the is he a top six player conversation like people were saying after the New York series. I just it, it, yeah. And I just totally. had that thought on my yeah, own yeah, yeah. and then somebody else had it too. And I was just I hear you. You got you got to record early. It's like when the Cubs were hot, and you're like, oh, "Let's do a Cubs pod," and then we waited till they were bad. And I was like, "Well, let's do a Cubs pod." Well, I, they're good again uh, now, so we can do a Cubs pod. We can do, well, they're back. Not, we we can refrain from doing the ultra deep dive with Cody, but we could talk about the Cubs. Oh, we're yeah. bringing Cody in. We need. <laughs> I want to know re- his. Get ready, students. I wanna I wanna know his takes on. Um, oh shoot, who's our near out, outfielder? Never mind. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Jens, any other players you feel significantly better or worse about after these playoffs? I didn't prep um, you on this question. I didn't really prep myself on this question, but I, we just had that Jimmy combo, and I was curious. Do you have a different opinion of any of like kind of notable players through these playoffs? Yeah, I think Aaron Gordon is more of a contributing player to a winning team, and I wasn't sure that if you put him in that position, how he would show up and what he looks like. Bill had Doc Rivers talk on his, on his podcast, and they were talking about him, and it was really good. And it was they were talking about you put a player in a different situation and how it can just you know trigger something and, and kind of they can blossom into you know a, a different type of of player than they had before. Whereas in Orlando, he was just like you know the seventh, sixth, eighth overall pick, something like that. He was a lottery pick. He was the guy, never really blossomed. Won a dunk contest, lost another dunk contest, and. And then he goes to a Nuggets team where he doesn't need to be that. And I just, it's really cool to see people find their role and be content with it. And the, a lot of these players, we've talked about this before, but like when you're the number one recruit in your state or in the country and you go to a blue blood, blue blood program and then get drafted top 10 in the NBA, it sometimes can be really hard to like figure out what your role is. And it took Aaron Gordon going to a different team, but he accepted it because he was like, look who I'm surrounded by. So Aaron Gordon's one of those players for sure. Um, and also Jamal, I think we talked about this previously, like Murray coming out of the playoffs or coming into the playoffs, you know, he was kind of getting his sea legs under him. He was out with the injury. What kind of player can he be? And he was the true number two, in some cases, the number one scoring option for that team. And he never fell under the pressure. His shot making was incredible through the whole, particularly the last two, the last two series, the Western conference finals and in the finals, the number of like high difficulty pull up threes that man hit to going to his left, going, going to his, like, it wasn't this I'm wide, like the contested fade away threes that, that he hit in moments where there was less than five seconds left in the shot clock was, would be infuriating if you were a fan of, of the, the team that was playing him. So those two players on the nuggets, I, I can't think of necessarily anyone on the, heat that like really stood out like i think to your point bam and jimmy it wasn't 
unsurprising. And Caleb I think Martin the feels... most surprising thing about the heat, well, aside from whatever Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent did, sure. um, and I just, I don't think I have any verdict on them. Like, I'm like, if they can show me even like 80% of what they showed in the playoffs for a full season next year, then I'll, I'll believe. But like, as far as I'm concerned, a couple guys had a hot month and that's kind of all that I've, I've seen from that. Um, but I was actually great month to get hot. I was more surprised by like Bam's. I've never thought of Bam as having any sort of outside the paint game. And he actually had a little bit more of like a shot than I thought Bam had. Like he had a couple games where it's not like you want to build your offense around it. But, you know, as a guy who's almost as good as Taj Gibson, I think he showed a really nice mid-range game. Like I just I watched it and I was like, oh, actually, he's streaky. But when he's on, he actually finishes decently well. He has an okay little push shot. Um, so I, I, that was one of my takeaways on the heat. But it, if you're talking like stock up players for the player playoffs, I think Austin Reeves has to be in your top three for just overall stock up. If we're going to like zoom out to totally. the playoffs as a whole. Yep. Um, yeah, he was definitely other, surprising. I mean, like he stock, played like that coming into the playoffs, but you know, a white guy playing well in the playoffs, come on, you know, we'll take it. Uh, Jalen Brunson stock up for me. Um, oh, overall play. Sorry. I yeah. Was overall playoffs. Finals. I was going, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe I didn't say that clearly. I think I was saying overall. So like stock up okay. Brunson Reeves yep. stock down. Um, I think my, Big ones would probably be, I don't know who specifically on Cleveland, but that was just such a letdown of a series by Cleveland against uh, the Knicks that I'm just kind of like down on them as a team. Um, Specifically those two big guys. Like how did they get out rebounded in that series by the Knicks? I don't know, but it happened. And you have Jared Allen and and Mobley. Big guys that didn't play very big. Yeah. Granted, they're slight, but. um, Trying to think across. Every, to, um, there is some hardened flowers to give out, even though they lost okay. about him showing up and not crumbling in the moments that he traditionally crumbles. He, he wasn't 25 every single game, but like he, the, the Boston Sixers series, did it go to, I went to seven, went back to Boston in seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't the greatest game seven, but no, they actually, sh- they should have won that game in game six. Yeah. You're right. No, it was game seven. Yeah. Um, so I would say just a little bit to Harden coming into a potential. I haven't got word that he's opting out of his contract, but he could become a free agent, and that bodes well. Oh, De'Aaron Fox was another stock up guy for me. Okay, yeah, I thought, definitely. I mean, I mean, until he had a broken shooting hand or a broken mm-hmm. something on his shooting hand, he really was not afraid of the moment. Um, I. As somebody who was rooting for the Warriors in that series, I I, I was just so annoyed by De'Aaron Fox. Right. I just remember that series being like, oh, this guy awesome. will not go away. He, bro, he kept making shots when it was big. My biggest stock down is Jordan Poole. Yeah, he had a tough, tough year from start yeah. to finish, from really from... <laughs> From punch to punch, he really just had when, a tough when, year. Whenever we take worse contracts in the offseason, we've probably a pod that we'll do. I already, I already took him once. He's I'm going to take down. him again. He's I'm going to take, take him, him again. again. He, oh, he was sorry. He was my biggest bust. That's what he was. Just based on contractually. You said Bradley Beal. Mm. Or did you say Bradley Beal? 
Uh, no, I don't remember. Okay. But I remember saying pool, and it really held up. I, I would like, I'll even if I give like myself a, some little kudos a little, little on the, the biggest butts, because no. it was all the way through. Oh, also, a times two pat on the back for your boy, Jens. I said nuggets and five. Oh, that's true. That was a great call by you. I no, called the sweep. It was a little aggressive. Yeah. Uh, Which the Heat didn't win any of their home games. The the game that you would have, the game that I thought that they were going to win to get to five would have been at home. And it took game, game five. two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we're going to wrap here in a second. My last question for you. Uh, how do you feel about Jokic kind of not caring about winning the finals? Um, I don't care. I haven't thought about that. Okay. At all. I, kind I don't of, mind at all. I kind of like it. It kind of like made me like him a little bit less. <laughs> Wait, what do you want him to do? I want it to matter. I want it to mean something to you. Like, look at us. We're these these jamokes sitting on our couches, and it and it seems like it means more to us to like to win this yes. thing than it does yes. to him he, as the player. He, he literally fought. said nobody likes their job. That's that's what the man said. Well, maybe. I would also and, say he fought very hard for however many, how many look, games? It was, I'm not five, saying he doesn't show up and four. play hard. It just, I was, a, I was like, oh, you know, I think I actually like, I want it to mean a little bit more to these guys. Cause then, cause otherwise like, all right, what are we doing here? Then it's really just, I mean, it is a game, but then when you're just kind of like, meh, I don't know. I just, I wanted to see a little more emotion. Like, yes, like I didn't need him to break down crying. I just, like if I'm gonna biases. if I'm gonna pour my heart into rooting for you, I'd like you to you know. Oh, it's now you deserve something. Look, relationships are two way <laughs> streets, even if you don't know it. I I think the man fought really hard in 19 playoffs game to, playoff games to win that thing, and he can respond however he damn well pleases, regardless. Even of LeBron pretends to cry when he wins <laughs> them. I mean, like, but that, it probably means more to LeBron. Like that's a true statement. It's okay. It does. Like, yeah, totally. Like, it's it just it, him being the star. I get what you're saying. That you would hope it, you know, as now one of the faces of the NBA, he carries this torch. He represents so much. He's another European player. You know, like he's he's doing his thing. But ultimately, like, if this is the only one he wins, I think it'll be really important. But I think he's also just in the moment. Like basically, hey, I'm, to anti, come. I'm anti-family. If you th- if you care more about your home life than the game, I'm out. Yeah, what I want it? an unbalanced, unhealthy dynamic with with you and the sport that you're playing. That's what I want. That's awesome. We should talk offline Michael, about that. Michael, <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about need, that to make sure you. I need you should okay. be Michael Jordan. Uh, no, that's not what I need you to be like. I totally get that. But like you can all like you can recognize that sports aren't the most important thing in your life and also like care a lot. And I just feel like he leaned into the I don't care a little too much for my that's a little okay. too much. That's all okay. That's all and maybe and maybe he actually likes playing that card and he cares more. He doesn't like to show it. Maybe he just doesn't like to show it. You know? Little, like you know, like just, me, for instance. I'm hilarious, but I don't like people to laugh at me. You, you know? <laughs> just want to laugh with you. <laughs> I just want to laugh with don't laugh at me. You know, just, that's just hurtful. Let's all laugh, let's laugh together. Yeah. Uh love it. Uh gents, any uh final thoughts on uh the season that happened before we inevitably start talking about the season that will be. Um, you, you, you know who loved that he won? Wyndham. 
Wyndham loved that. Talk about talk about caring that you won. Sobbing that, on the, the green. Let's the, just give a little two minutes to Wyndham. U.S. Open just happened to LACC. Our boy Rory that we both are rooting for. Jesse, you have more emotional stake in this than I do. He unfortunately Clearly have did more not. emotional stake investing in these guys than most of them have in themselves. So yeah, he did not come through. It was really sad. I think the whole uh, dude, world Rory was rooting for well Rory enough and, to win. And the he whole played world is, well enough to win. Did you feel weird about everyone rooting against Wyndham? I felt a little weird. I don't think they I don't know if they were rooting against Wyndham. I don't think they were cheering for him to fail. I think there's a difference between cheer, wanting a guy to fail and wanting someone else to play better oh, than that. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. One, I was cheering against you because your stupid name. Two, I was rooting against Wyndham. Okay, <laughs> great. Just for clarity on the record, you were rooting I against him. I was. I didn't want him to win. I did not want him to win. Look, and he I was think- the least interesting guy to win when you had a leaderboard of Scheffler, Fowler, and Rory. It is one of those sports that you want the guy, like, you do want the guys that are the best guys to win because it feels validating. When guys that have never won before win, it just makes it feel like a fluke and it just makes it feel like it's but just a crap different shoot. kinds of guys, right? Because if a Ricky or a Tony Fina or a Fleetwood, like there's emotional, I just don't care about Wyndham emotionally. Yeah, you have all. no investment in him. Totally. None. So he wins this thing and he and he won at Quail Hollow, which is a big boy like tournament and golf course cup like this season. That's awesome. Like Big dick event. Yeah, it's no. Hold on, BDR is reserved. No, no, BDE, big dick. Event. Oh yeah, that's big, a no. That's a no. That's a no laying up, ism. Yeah, but BDR is big dick Ricky. That's true. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah, dick yeah. Rick. Don't worry. Big dick Rick. Um, sorry for all the kids over the last thirty seconds there. Did did you? Yeah, no one knows what those are. Did you um like the event over? There's been a lot of criticism. Of LACC, of the course, easy. It was. I mean, Wyndham Clark puts his, I listen to no lay him up, no laying up, and I forget who said it, but he was saying on 18, he literally hit it out of the atmosphere and it somehow on 18, it lands on a fairway and puts it the, back on the green. There's a couple holes that I didn't love. Uh, I didn't love, I don't remember the names because I didn't know the course that well, but the co- the holes where the ball just collects to the same spot off the tee, I don't like that. Oh, sure. I I like there was a cut. There was at least two or three holes where basically the slopes were so severe that it didn't matter really where you hit your tee shot. It was all going to funnel to the same gully in the, in the fairway. I don't like those types. I don't like that. Um, I loved the super long par threes. I think those are awesome. They had multiple par threes paying over 250 yards for the whole week. I think that's sick. I think, I think a par three playing under a hundred yards, also awesome. Like you're making these guys hit shots that they do not normally have to hit like that. Yeah. Like, and with weird pins. So I really liked, I was a big fan of the par threes. None of the par six, fives were that compelling six was to cool. me. Six was awesome. Yeah. That was the short four that you could really do a bunch of different stuff. But my problem with that hole though, is I didn't like how many of the T shots were totally blind. Like they had like if the broadcast has to three put like three giant digital sticks on the screen to show you where the player is potentially trying to hit the ball. Like every time they try like they hit their tee shot on six, you had no idea off the tee if it was going to be a good shot or not if they were going for it because you had no reference for where You're the hole just was. Just as viewing it, yeah, as viewing it, you just didn't like the blind tee shirt. I got you. I didn't like, like when they tried like, to go for it. Specifically, well, even, or even when they were laying up, it's like they'd hit this shot and you see this tracer mm-hmm. going for you going like, I cannot see any part of the fairway or the hole. Bro, I do not know if they just hit a good shot until it lands. And so coverage, I didn't like as a watcher 
yeah. not being able to tell like once they've hit the shot if they were like if they'd done something good or if they were in trouble and not knowing until basically the camera finds the ball on the ground. That part yeah. I didn't like. Yeah, totally. The, whatever the camera work into the greens, half the time I was super confused on like the angle of it because it was like yeah. from the back right and they would hit and I'm like, where is it spinning back? What direction did they tee off from? I, I think NBC was not, I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not freaking what, what's his, the press box for the ringer. Who does that? Um, you know, him came from ESPN. Press box podcast, uh, podcast. I know you're talking about, I can't think of his name. Brian Curtis, Brian Curtis. Uh, yeah. So he does like, he critiques all this stuff and it's very interesting to hear him talk about it. But just as a viewer with NBC, I also don't really care for whatever the two announcers are. Uh, what's his first name? See, it's so forgettable. All of it's so <laughs> forgettable. It's not me. Uh, it's them. Look, I, I know Dan you're talking Scott about or Dan something. Dan Hicks. I didn't, I, I, we weren't supposed to be doing us open recap tonight. I didn't come prepped with any of my notes. <laughs> um, I think Trevor Immelman's maybe in there. No, um, he's CBS. He's, oh, he's CBS with Nance. Uh, there's it's another right. smiley, there's another smiley Kaufman's also there. No, I don't think so. Uh, you do have Brandel Shambly, I think is involved in the NBC. Oh, Shambly. Um, shambles. He is a or, bit of shamble. No, I, I guess I think that's the hardest thing about watching golf on TV, especially with courses like this, is cameras, for whatever reason, cannot pick up on slopes the way that you need them to in order to understand what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. So that is always going to be a challenge with golf until they can just get like, I don't know, like even when you get a camera directly next to the green, it's just still hard to like... Right visually capture slope on a green. So that's always going to be a hard thing when one of the big characteristics of your course is the slope in your greens and the undulation and the approach angles. Uh, On the whole, I think I liked it. I like that basically they couldn't really get past minus 10 to win it. I was a little worried uh, after the first day when you had two guys shoot eight under, that was going to be a birdie fest. Um, And a couple guys were just going to run away with it. Like, there was an opportunity. If you put four good rounds of golf together, you could have won the tournament if you kind of held it all together. Rory played so well. I think he can really only kick himself for two shots, and it's his putt on eight, his birdie putt on eight, and his approach on that par five, I think it was 14, that he put in the bunker. Got some relief off of but still made bogey on the hole. If he hits that putt and pars that other hole, he wins this tournament by one. And it's just like... Yeah. I know you can't. It's, I know it's not that one to one. You can't just say like that. But Clark gave him a chance. He stumbled down the stretch, and um, you know, just just didn't happen for your boy. Nope. Um, and I completely lost my train of thought. So that's it. That's it. Let's I, end it there, gents. This was a great pod. We're gonna come back. To, we're gonna try and come oh, back with get another a new episode. Caddy. Get a new oh, caddy, Rory. Yeah. That's what it was. Come on, new- I know he's your best friend. We all love Harry. I don't know Harry. Okay. I know I'm not friends with Harry. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he looks like your little brother out there. And you don't want your caddy looking like your little brother who's wearing shorts everywhere he goes, like it's 75 and sunny. You like, got to um, wonder if a different voice might help him. You don't, you know, it's just Rory's always insisted that he doesn't really want a ton of caddy input. He just like, he kind of says like it keeps him more focused. If there's more responsibility on him, it was one of the things he said when he switched to Harry is that he started relying. I mean, it's a little bit of an insult to Harry. They basically kind of hired him because he doesn't do as much. 
Um, but he basically <laughs> he's, he's able. Rory Rory's position has always been it's all on me. Like when I step up there and I hit the shots, it's all like I have no one to blame if it's the right shot or if the wrong shot or the wrong club or the wrong read. It's on me. And I, while I can admire that sentiment, you know, if those other players are saving one stroke a tournament or a stroke and a half a tournament because their caddy helps them see something that they didn't see or just gives them a little extra, that is costing him wins. And we don't know for sure that Harry's costing wins, but maybe it's time for a new voice because while he has won plenty of tournaments with Harry on the bag, he's the entirety of his time, they have not won a major and it's going on like seven years now with Harry in the bag and it might just be time for new boys. I'm with you. I'm, I agree with you. It's just, it's weird. That was beautiful. We'll clip it and send it to Rory. Well done. We'll get indeed. Through. Indeed we will. Thank you all for joining us this week. We were going to try and do a second episode for you sometime this week because there's just too much going on and we have thoughts about it. So we thank you for joining us this time. Finland isn't real. <laughs> <laughs>